Rumble. And this is Michael Moore. I last spoke to you on, I believe, Wednesday. This is uh, now uh, early Saturday morning, very early. I'm recording this around uh, 4 in the morning. And uh, I'm sorry you haven't heard from me in a couple of days. I I can tell from the uh, comments on uh, social media or fan uh, mail via email or other places here that people people are worried about me. Uh, um, don't don't worry. Um, I'll I'll let you know when I'm going down. Um, I'm in great shape. Um, things are fine. Knock on um, pleather here or whatever I can knock on. Um, I'm coming to you uh, from my uh, podcast studio inside my apartment in uh, New York City. And I have been hearing from many people in the medical community, the health professionals that are there to help us, save us. Um, and they don't know what to do because they don't want to panic people. And they want to, on the other hand, let everybody know that um, whatever you're worried about happening in terms of the situation with our hospitals and our doctors and our nurses, it's already happening. A couple of days ago, a woman in my apartment building contracted uh, the virus, uh, tested positive, and I guess, I don't know, maybe they knew that after the fact because she passed away here in the building. She did was not in the hospital. I knew her. Um, I didn't know her well. I knew her enough. Um, um, I've had an apartment in this building for many, many years. Um, even when I'm living in Michigan and I have my apartment there, and um, it's where I base myself. But uh, when I work, uh, usually the work is uh, here. Um, and uh, I was very sad to get this news. Uh, that uh, she had uh, contracted the virus and died. It seems like fairly quickly the ambulance pulled up to the building here and uh, they took her out and I don't know if she was has, had already passed or did so at the, at the hospital, but they sent on uh, an email to the residents of the apartment building here on Thursday to let us know that she had died. And uh, that was the last we've actually heard of anything. I guess they brought in the, they hired some hazmat company or whatever and, and um, disinfected the hallway and the apartment, the lobby, the elevators. I think most of us didn't know this for... Um, I think almost 24 hours. So I just continued to use the elevators. And, uh, and we haven't heard anything since, or at least I haven't, in terms of are we all in quarantine here? Are they, um, can anybody leave the building? I haven't left. Um, other than I think well, one time on last Sunday, um, briefly, but I have essentially been in my own self-quarantine situation here. I just thought that was the smart thing to do. So this is day 12 of my um, self-imposed quarantine. Just I think I'd spent enough weeks trying to warn people that this was coming, and uh, just from my own, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I just, um, but I've talked to a lot of people, as I've told you in previous podcasts, I have very good sources um, of people who are connected to the NIH, uh, the CDC, uh, some of our top hospitals, Capitol Hill, other people in the media. Uh, it's, I'm on the phone a lot talking to people and getting the latest and trying to find out the things that they don't want to tell us or they're afraid to tell us. I mean, a lot of, a lot of the memos that are going out back and forth internally, whatever is to don't panic the public. That's really the, the main point of be careful. Do not panic the public. 
for whatever they're afraid is going to happen when people will hear the truth, when they really know what's what's going on. I believe there's a piece coming out in the in the Times or the Washington Post this morning that um, essentially is finally telling us that, um, well, what I told you earlier and what I've known now for the better part of the last week or two, that um, we're in we're in deep, deep, deep trouble, um, not only because uh, the doctors and nurses are running out of masks and gowns and gloves and all the protective gear that they need, and there are hospitals in New York that they're in their last day or two of having the supplies they need just to take care of the, the patients uh, there. And um, they, um, the other piece of this that they don't want you to know because they don't want you to panic is that um, there are hundreds of doctors and nurses and other healthcare professionals that are already sick, that already have the virus, that are already hospitalized, some of them in the ICU. Now, you know, one doctor explained to me, you know, this isn't necessarily a bad thing because on some level, if they're young and healthy enough and they get the virus now, perhaps they'll you know, they'll recover in a couple of weeks and they'll um, possibly be inoculated and not, you know, get reinfected any time too soon and, and not infect others and be able to go in and help people in the emergency room in the ICU. So I guess that's the silver lining that they're looking for. But I was, I was pretty... Um, I think not just myself, but anybody else here in my apartment building was pretty up, upset. You know, it's funny too when when um, she died here, and again we're just talking. It's not even two days ago. Um, the total number of deaths in New York I know, was somewhere around thirty-five or so. I haven't even looked at what it is this morning. Um, um, it's, it's moving very fast. Um, I think now half of all the, uh, coronavirus cases in the country are here in New York. So this is a friggin' hot zone. One doctor uh, told me that, um, he believes that possibly 25% of New Yorkers, I'm talking about people in New York City or the New York City area, 25% of the people already have it, already have COVID-19, either have already had it and passed through it, because again, remember 80% of the people that get this get through it pretty easily, like a bad cold, 25% either have had it and are through it, have it right now and don't know it because they don't have any symptoms or symptoms or, or they do have it and they're feeling every bit of it. There's eight and a half million people in this city. You know, the current estimates are upwards to one in two of us are going to um, contract this. Half. If we're nearing the 25% mark, that's two million people. I mean, this is why these numbers, because there's no testing. There's been no testing. We don't know. The hospitals are jammed. The ICU units, some of them are up to 90% full. Um, they're saying in the next few days, they're going to have to start turning people away. There's not going to be anywhere to go. Because of the um, inaction, by delaying this, uh, the Trump administration, Trump himself, It's now going to be too late for a lot of people. And I don't think this should be kept from you. I think you should know this. We all should know it. I'd like an exact number right now of how many nurses and doctors are already sick, how many of them are hospitalized right now. 
that'll give us a good indication of how, forget about how many beds there are. Oh, do we have enough beds? Well, of course we don't have enough beds. I think the governor of New York said yesterday we're probably short by at least 150,000 beds of what we're going to need. But so what? Go lay in a bed. Where are the nurses? Where are the doctors? They're sick. The National Guard is already here in the city. They started coming in quietly yesterday. They've been out at the the various testing locations, like in New Rochelle. They opened up one in New Jersey yesterday, uh, helping out. But more and more of them are coming, um, I'm guessing because of the fear of trying to maintain the social order. And in, in the midst of all this, Trump has another one of his wackadoodle press conferences yesterday where he just stands there and lies and says there's treatments uh, that we've got, malaria treatments, we can use these malaria drugs, all oh, this crazy stuff. And then poor Dr. Fauci had to stand up there and contradict him again, try to clear it up. The look on his face, on Fauci's face, just, oh, it was just awful. You could just see, he just looked down, folded his arms. If you if you had a thought bubble coming out of his head, it would just say, we are doomed. They've now decided that, uh, according to the data, twice as many men are dying of this than women. They don't know why. My first thought was, well, sports are gone. The NBA is gone. March Madness is gone. What do you what do you think is going to happen to men? You know, when you have so little to live for to begin with, I shouldn't make a joke about that, but it's just, uh, what, I was trying to decide, okay, what is it about men in the month of March? Hmm. Come on, guys. Keep your spirits up. You know, part of your immune system is mental. Find something else to live for. It's important that we stay alive, all of us. <sighs> I wrote something on social media uh, yesterday. I don't know if how many of you follow me on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, but if you don't, it, it might be a good idea. Sometimes um, I communicate with people in that manner. Um, you know, I this was supposed to have been a weekly podcast when it started on December seventeenth, and. We've never had a chance to do just one a week because so much has been happening. Um, first with the election, the primary season, other things that were going on, and and um, and now this. So my commitment is to is to do this podcast um, as often as needed for right now. Um, so I'm sorry when I when I didn't do it for a couple of days, people started to to worry, but there's there's no need to worry other than I'm just doing what everybody else is doing. And in the case of having somebody die in your building, as what, what happened here, I, I think um, all of us just were a little rattled and trying to, waiting for orders. Everybody out? Time to evacuate? No. Okay, everybody stay in? No. Everybody under official quarantine? Um, no word, nothing. My guess is that this is becoming so overwhelming already that they really don't know what to do. They don't know what to tell people. What are you going to tell people? What are you going to tell people when the hospitals are full this week? And people are bringing their loved ones. And some of them are very sick. Some of them may be dying. And they can't get into the hospital. What are they going to do? Lock the doors? Where are all the things I've been asking for for the last couple of weeks? Where's the Army Corps of Engineers? Where are the field hospitals that we need to build? Why, why aren't they graduating nurses early from nursing schools right now in March? Forget about May. Graduate doctors right now. Make residents and interns. Give them the, I mean, all the things that could be going on and, and we could be doing. We have no leadership. Masks. Where are the masks? Trump at the beginning of the week said he was, you know, authorizing and invoking the uh, the, the the defense um, 
Production Act, which gives him the power to take over factories, take over businesses, to produce the items that are needed in a time of war. And he's called this a time of war. It, it is, in a sense. He's referred to himself now, as Bush did, as the wartime president. So, okay. And now here we are. What is it? Four days, five days later? Nothing. Nothing has... He hasn't... He just said it. Signed a piece of paper and then didn't do anything to say, okay, this factory... You know, yes, I know you said that in the next year you're going to produce millions of these. We need them tomorrow. And start to do it like we like we did during World War II when we didn't have the technology. We didn't have the communication. We didn't have any of that stuff. I'll say it again. Um, our The people that came before us, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, in World War II, in Michigan, who worked in GM, who worked at Ford, they shut the factories down after we were bombed in Pearl Harbor. And within weeks, by the next month, by January, in February, they were they, had, they were no longer making cars. And they didn't make cars for the next four years. Car factories and assembly lines made tanks. They made bomber planes, fighter planes. Where my, the factory my grandmother worked in in Flint they went from making tiny little spark plugs on the assembly line to machine guns. How do you do that? Machine guns, not a spark plug. They did it. The Ford factory in Ypsilanti, Michigan. They built a, a they built B-24s there, planes. They built a plane every 61 minutes. One an hour. They came off the assembly line. That's how they that's how they did it. And they didn't have half the science and the knowledge that we have today. Where are the masks? Where are the gowns? Where are the gloves? Where where are the ventilators and the respirators? Oh, my God. One of the hospitals here in, in New York last night reported that they were now out of the, all the ventilators were in use. They were, they need, they don't have any more. They can't put anybody else on a ventilator. And this is going to get repeated again today, tomorrow and the next day. And even though general motors has offered to immediately take an assembly line and turn it into a ventilator assembly line, Trump has done nothing about this. He's bragged about it. Oh, yeah, you got this great offer from GM. And now I guess Ford has made the same offer. So where when do they start production? Trump still seems to feel like um, the, more, the more test kits that get out there, the more people are tested, the more we start doing things like making these masks and ventilators that somehow this looks bad because it's going to show that more people are sick, more people are dying. Looks bad, bad for the image, bad for the PR, bad for the ratings, you know, the ratings. And and so we sit here. Every day that goes by, thousands more will be dead in the next week or two because we lost this time. I, I've, I, said, it, I said it over a week ago. I'll say it again. Please. Is there some version of reality where the cabinet can invoke the 25th Amendment and, and remove him because he seems incapacitated? Can the generals save us? I never thought I'd say that sentence in the United States of America. The last thing we want to do is to have have to have the military come in and remove a president. But we are in danger, folks. We are in serious, serious danger. I posted this on, on my social media here yesterday morning. I told people about the woman who had died here in the apartment building. Rest her soul. Blessings upon her. 
There were, I'll just read from this. There, what I wrote. There was a chill that spread through many in the building here, knowing that this is only the first of these. Here, it's not the last time we'll see an ambulance pull up to this apartment building. It won't. It's not the first. It's not the last. It's not going to be just here. It's, it will be everywhere. The media doesn't want you to panic. The politicians insist that you not panic. I am here to tell you to panic. Panic like you've never panicked before. Millions will die because of Trump's incompetence in action and waiting too long to figure out how to make a buck off of all this. And that will be why your loved ones will perish. Panic. But not just any kind of panic. Not the crazy kind of panic where you're not thinking straight. Smart panic. If you woke up and your house was on fire, you would, it's a natural human instinct, you would panic. You should panic. You need to get out of the house. You need to be smart about this though because you got to wake everybody else up. You got to get them out. You got to get everybody out. Make sure they're safe. Stay in panic mode because you got to warn the neighbors. If you're in an apartment building, you got to knock on every door. You got to bang on every door on your floor. You got to get people out. If you're in a house, you got to warn the neighbors next door. You got to call 911. You got to go look for a friggin' hose. You need to be in serious, smart panic mode. Smart panic. Don't go crazy. You go crazy, we're, we're all done. It's the kind you need to think. You need to think while you're in, in a, a moment of utter sheer terror. You need to think and then you need to act. Today, tomorrow, politically here, you know, this is a political situation. You do know that, right? Because politics is preventing us from getting the help we need. It's preventing our doctors and nurses from getting the protective gear that they need. It's, pre- it's prevented us from getting having the tests that we need. They can test a quarter of a million people in South Korea at a snap of the fingers. And they're like, yeah, let's test another quarter million. Ask anybody who has been feeling these symptoms and has gone to the hospital and trying to get some help. They will turn them away. They have not been testing people. Nobody knows anybody that knows anybody that has a test. Call your doctor. See if they've got any tests in the office. My friends, you need to organize everyone you know right now to scream bloody murder today. You've got to let your governor, your mayor, your senators, your president know that you will not tolerate one more fucking day of this. We don't have another day or two. We don't have, to, we don't, oh, it's the weekend. No, well, that's just too bad. We don't have till Monday. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, this is where, if I were making a film right now, we'd be sneaking into these ERs, into these ICU units, I mean, they are stacking people up already, friends. And they're trying, to, they're trying to get doctors to come in from other states. They've set it up so that if there are any doctors or nurses from Canada that can come in to help us. You need to go online. You need to find a way to contact, to let your voice be heard to your mayor, to your governor, to your senators. Your demands, our demands are very simple. Number one, protect our healthcare workers. The government needs to take these factories over immediately to make these masks and gowns and gloves and respirators and ventilators. Now, we have to keep our healthcare professionals safe. If they're not safe, if they get infected, then none of us will get the help that we're going to need very shortly. All the top doctors 
all our top health officials now say up to one in two of us are going to be infected with COVID-19. And again, just so you don't panic in the wrong way, remember 80% of us are going to be okay. Who get this? 80% who get it are going to be just fine. And the next 15% are going to live, but you may get, you may get pretty sick. You may get pneumonia like, and you may need to be in the hospital. I don't know which hospital or where. And when dozens and then hundreds and then thousands of people are trying to get into the hospital and are locked out, the that's why the National Guard is here. One of the reasons. Quietly setting up plans to cordon off the hospitals by a block or two to keep to keep to keep the barbarians away from the gate. Yeah. Cause you know, people will do crazy things when their child or their parent is dying and needs help, can't breathe, needs a respirator. They know, they, it's just human nature. You will do anything and you will act in any way you need by any means necessary to keep your loved ones alive. They know that. That's why the guard's here. It didn't have to be this way. It still can, you can we can still mitigate this to some extent. But the political leaders are going to have to do their job. And for God's sake, my friends, please, let's remove every fucking last one of them as soon as we're through this. Anybody, anybody who sat and did nothing or tried to give a, tried to sugarcoat us so that we wouldn't panic, tried to tell us it's all going to be okay. You were just going to close the schools for a couple weeks when they knew damn well this was going to last for two years. This is a two-year pandemic. And when Dr. Zeke Emanuel said it on CNN, what, almost 10 days ago now, Wolf Blitzer, you can't find it, by the way. They cut him off. They went on to something else. He broke the rules. CNN, they didn't want to put it out there. They want people to panic. But here you have one of the top people at the National Institute of Health for the past number of decades, who now runs the the public health um, division there at Penn, at an Ivy League school. They didn't listen to him two weeks ago, three weeks ago. They didn't, they're not listening to him now. He's still, he, I still have seen him on TV. A two-year pandemic. That's what we're in. Doesn't mean it's going to be like this every day for straight for two years. You know, his thinking was if we do go into self-quarantine, if we do lock down, if we stay away from people for just maybe even three weeks, that will slow the virus down. The virus isn't going to go away. This doesn't mean that, that one in two of us isn't still going to get it. More than likely, we're still going to get it. Again, 80% are just going to have the symptoms of a cold. Another 15% closer to pneumonia, but we'll live. It's that last 5%, some version of 1% to 5% that are going to die. And when you think that if half the country is going to get this, if that's, what is that now? It would be 160 million people are going to get it. <laughs> Even 1% of that many people, that's, that's what is that, 1.6 million are going to die. And there's not a damn thing we can do about it now, except try to maybe try to keep it to 1% because the way it's going now, it's going to be 3 to 5%. I mean, look at Italy. It's a crazy number in Italy. If you look at the number of confirmed cases and then the number of deaths, again, I'm not, I'm not good at math, but boy, that looked like more than 5% of at least the, more than 5% of the people that have come down with it. And, you know, here's something you don't understand about Italy, and we don't, we don't really know much about the rest of the world. You know, I made a movie about this, about healthcare, and um, I got to tell you, the Italian healthcare system is amazing. Um, I mean, Italians, like in people in any country, you hear Canadians complain about it, Italians complain, everybody complains. But I'm gonna, but the truth is, is that the World Health Organization, for the last decade or two, um, you'll see Italy in the top three, certainly the top five countries in the world, in, t- in terms of how the World Health Organization rates the quality of care and the availability of care 
to Italians. There was a British uh, TV reporter from ITV that got inside an ICU unit in a, um, not in a big city that we know of, but someplace in the north of Italy. And he was really amazed at the, you know, and he's a Brit. He's got, you know, the National Health Service there, which is pretty damn good. And they got, he looked at this, he went, he walked through this Italian hospital. He couldn't believe how modern and up to date and, and yet, um, how many people they were taking in, stacking them up, trying to help them. Number one, the number one demand when you contact your governor, your mayor, your president, your senators, protect our healthcare workers. If we don't do that first and basic thing, please put the mask over your face before you put it over your children's. Why is that? You know why, right? If you go down, you're no help to your children. If you pass out. Number two, we need those tests. What happened to the tests? We need to be testing people. We need, we should be, you know, what they've done in some of these Italian towns is they've just te- started testing everybody. And in, in one town, this town named Vo, V-O, Vo, Italy, they've now tested all 3,300 people in the little town. Um, and since they've tested everybody now for this last, I don't know how many days, week uh no new cases because they have information they know who has it and who doesn't have it the ones who have it are quarantined and they get help the ones who don't have it are also quarantined so they don't get it and that slows the virus down so when we say a two-year pandemic it means if we do this right we're gonna the virus is gonna be strong for a couple of months and then it'll peak and then it'll dip to practically nothing. And then we can bring back our normal life, but we have to understand that for two years, it's going to be a, like a roller coaster. So, you know, we will live normally for a couple of months. And then a couple of months later, bingo, here comes the virus again, reinfecting people. And now we got to go back into lockdown. And then we come out of that in another month or two and live for a few months normally. And then boom, it's going to go like this three or four times over the next two years. Don't come up to me on the street a few years now and say, well, nobody, I heard this <laughs> on your podcast. I don't want any, I don't want to hear this. I've, I've let to listen to this enough. I'm just sharing with you what I know. And I don't, I'm not beholden to anybody. Nobody writes my paycheck. I don't give a damn. And I, and I don't, and I don't, you know, even when I posted this yesterday, you know, well-meaning people, writing comments, Mike, don't, don't say, don't, don't scare people. Don't, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just giving you information. Since when don't we want to know the truth, no matter how bad the truth is. If you go in and get tested for cancer, you know, and the, the doctor tells you, you know, you got cancer. You, you don't say to the doctor, why'd you tell me that? Why don't I, I was feeling better because you need to know the truth. Because once he tells you you've got cancer, you can start right away with a protocol, with a plan to arrest the cancer, to live. If you ignore it, if you don't go seek help, if you don't go seek information, and this is why a lot of people die before their time, they don't want to go to the doctor. They don't want to hear bad news. I get, I get that. Belief. None of us want it. None of us want to do that. That's why we put off going to the dentist. You know, we're, we're pretty certain we're not going to die because of whatever we're feeling in our tooth, which isn't true, by the way. So we put off going until then the teeth are worse because we put off going to. We know everybody listening to this knows what I'm talking about. And yet, you know, people were attacking me yesterday for telling the things I know, the things I've been told. And I've been told this from some very credible top people that through anonymity that I have promised them because we're living in a scary time. Nobody wants to lose their job. Nobody wants to contradict the president. We need to test people. We need to have a goal of testing everyone. That's their goal in Iceland right now. You, you know, the, I, the people, the 350,000 people that live in Iceland, they're going to pull that off. They say they have enough tests. How do they have enough test kits? They have enough test kits. Them and the, in, in the NBA, have enough test kits. By the way, I'm, I'm not um, 
I'm not so upset as some people are that the NBA players are being tested because frankly, let's just admit it. It was the, it was that a week ago, Wednesday when the NBA canceled the rest of the season like that within minutes of finding out just one of their players had contracted the virus. They shut the whole league down. They acted the opposite of Trump. It got everybody's attention. You right. Remember that? That was the day that you learned about Tom Hanks and his wife, Rita, um, coming down with it and the NBA. It was like a, like a one, two punch that woke up the country. I know it's sad that it maybe has to take something like that, you know, sports and a big Hollywood celebrity, but everybody then realized, Oh, this is real shit. So I'm not so down on, the NBA has been able to tell, she said, I think it's like 14 players they've already discovered have the virus in the NBA. I mean, but good to see it's good. It's good. You know that it, wow. If it's, if it's passed that much through um, people that have the means really to protect themselves, take care of themselves, not get sick. Um, what does that mean for the rest of us? We need to test number two. We need to test everyone. Now I know that's probably not possible with a nation of 330 million people. But um, that should be the goal, and we should ask the Koreans to help us, whoever can help us. The people in Taiwan, they figured out how to stop this. Uh, Germany's had to deal with it. You know, they, they where are the German kits that were made that were offered to us by the World Health Organization? These were offered. Uh, the Trump administration rejected it. I'm guessing it'll come out someday. You know this. Uh, they were trying to not take the free kits from the uh, uh, public entity from the UN, the evil UN, um, because they're trying to figure out which of his cronies, which of his supporters can we give this contract to, to make the masks. You know, goddamn well, I'm telling you the truth. That's exa- we, we have so many examples of, of this already just with Trump. Forget about the past presidents. See, here's the problem when I say we should test everyone. That's and people and you know well-meaning people hear me say that and they go, "Well, Mike, no, 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 that's not. We should only test those with symptoms." Well, we know that for the first umpteen days, when you have the virus, you have no symptoms, and yet you can still transmit the virus, even if you're if you're not sick. So you do need to know. We all need to know for our own safety, everyone. But we see when we start to say everyone, oh, Mike, no, no, no. See, we don't automatically think of testing everyone because we're not used to treating everyone with healthcare. That's not us. No, no, no. We don't believe in the everybody gets to see a doctor. Everybody gets to see a doctor. You see a doctor. You see a doctor. You go to the doctor. You go to the doctor. No, oh no, no. We're the one democracy where you don't get to do that. We are corrupted in our core belief system. The belief that that will not, on purpose, guarantee that everyone receive free health care. And because we don't believe in that, because Democrats running for president in these last couple of months have ridiculed that idea that everybody should be able to get help now and not worry about paying for it because that's who we are and that's what we've allowed to happen. It's going to be the death of many of us. We're now in week nine. Week nine of wondering why we don't have enough masks, surgical masks, masks for healthcare workers. And we're just going to enter a new week. Still asking, where are they? Instead of demanding it. Number three, we need to mobilize the army. The army does need, they have, man, they have, a, you know, they have a whole system. They have to. If there's a war, if we're attacked, they are able to build hospitals in days. They have so many medical people. They train so many medics. They have so much equipment stored that needs to be activated right now. All these trillions that you and I have paid for over the years 
in so-called defense. Defense of what? Now we need to be defended. Where's the army? Where's the army corps of engineers? Where are the army doctors? Where are the army field hospitals? We need to demand this right now. That's the third demand. Number four, we have to go into lockdown. Now, since I've been asking for this in the last uh, week or two, um, California has done it. Uh, New York and Connecticut um, yesterday followed suit. Uh, Illinois, governor of Illinois last night uh, uh, issued his order. Um, but it's, you know, there's still five states where the, the kids are still going to public schools. So look, um, this, you know, we have to save ourselves here and we have to just go into some sort of lockdown. It doesn't need to be for long. The real, you know, like a full lockdown It's just two or three weeks just to slow the virus down. It will not kill the virus. It'll slow it down so that our medical care system can handle the millions of people that are going to bombard it. It's already started. It started big time here a few days ago. We're right in the middle of it this weekend. By Monday, it's going to look awful. So we need to do these things now. You need to contact your representatives. Demand this now, today, over the weekend here. I was going to write Trump a letter. I was going to try to get it uh, to him. I still have, I think I have Kellyanne Conway's um, contact info here. Um, and see if I could convince her to pass it on to him. I was going to write him a really nice letter, actually, just to really encourage him to do the right thing, to to just kind of get off whatever it is that he's on, but... He can't help himself. He went after the reporter there yesterday from NBC News. I thought he, I mean, seriously, it looked like if he were younger, he would have looked like he was going to jump off the, the stage there in the briefing room and punch that guy out. You know, they still don't have this. The House, eight days ago, passed a bill to provide economic relief for people and the Republicans in the Senate have held it up. They want bailouts for the corporations. Bailouts. How's that going to save a life this weekend? Bailing out the airline industry. It started at $60 billion. Now they want to give them $200 billion to the airlines? This is madness. They and The, the Senate Republicans also, they don't want to be, they, they say that they're in favor of sending checks to people just so they have a little bit of cash right now uh, to get through. But if you look at the fine print of this, the, the, the largest checks will go to those households that, that are making 150000 a year. Uh, they get the, the biggest check uh, of $2,400 uh, for the household for the two adults. Um, but if you're a senior citizen living on Social Security and that's giving you only 13000 a year, you get 600 <laughs> If you're uh, just out of college, if you're a young person in your 20s, and uh, you were, say, a full-time student two years ago. Now you, you've just been laid off uh, from your job at age uh, 24. Uh, the Republican bill says you get nothing. You haven't been in the workforce long enough. So no. So this House bill that was passed by the House eight days ago, nine day, nine days now, um, sits sits there. While the Republicans try to figure out how to make some money off it, and then, and then the story yesterday on how Senator Burr, the Republican senator from North Carolina, who is the chair of the Intelligence Committee, that as soon as he got information back in January and February about the potential of this virus creating an epidemic, then a pandemic, he sold 1.7 million dollars worth of his stock. Nearly all of his stock sold off because he knew it was coming. We didn't know. He knew. He and uh, two other Republican senators, uh, uh, one of whom, Senator uh, Loeffler from Georgia, uh, her husband is the CEO and chair of the New York Stock Exchange. She sold off $3 million worth of her stock. And one Democrat did it too, Diane Feinstein of California. I think it was $6 million of her stock. 
And they all have excuses. Oh, I didn't know. My husband did it. Blah, blah, blah. They all tried to make off like bandits. They wouldn't warn us, though, a month or two ago what was really coming down. Yet they knew. They knew. Burr, the Intelligence Committee, he knew. And made sure he protected his own ass. When are these people going to be arrested and marched out? Where is the burp walk? I want to see it. This this certainly will happen. Surely. Um, you know, oh, they're just, they want, they're holding this, they want, they want a bailout for the cruise industry, the cruise ship. They, they're, 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 they're wanting a, there was some, they were proposing a bailout because of Vegas is all dark and going down. Uh, the lobbyists for the, for the gambling industry, they want a $40 billion bailout for the casinos. All this while we don't have a goddamn mask or gloves or a ventilator. It won't change until you rise up, my friends. And I'm not saying you gotta take to the streets. You certainly should not ever do anything that involves any violence or threat of violence. But um, you need to get you need to get these people's attention in a big ass way. And if it just starts with you and your neighbors, your friends, whatever, you gotta figure out how to do it too so that so that we maintain this social distance so we can slow down the virus at the same time. We have to be politically active together but separately. This is no small feat. So um I leave you here um, with that charge. You can use the phone. You can use social media. You can email your friends and family and co-workers and fellow students. You know, it, we need to organize this. We need to, we need to have our voices heard. As bad as I've described the situation to you right now, here in the early morning hours of Saturday, March 21st. If you're listening to this podcast on March 23rd or 24th, you're probably thinking, wow, those were the days back on March 21st. The way Mike was describing the situation there in the hospitals and the doctors and the nurses... God, I wish we could go back to March 21st. Well, we won't be able to. When we get into the middle of this coming week, by the time we get to the end of next week, it didn't have to be this way. It still doesn't. Don't give up. Panic. Panic, don't panic, but panic. Good panic. Talk to everybody you know. Go online. You can, there are email addresses and there are phone numbers for every one of your elected representatives, your mayor, your two senators, your governor. Demand, demand, demand. And Trump, if for some chance you're listening to this, you follow me on social media, you've tweeted at me, I've even got my own nickname from you, you're, you do pay attention to me, thank you for that. Hasn't done much good. I hope this will do some good. You've got a few hours to snap out of it, act like an adult, act like a leader, Take over whatever you've got to take over with these companies and get these protective devices made for our doctors and our nurses. Build these temporary hospitals in the next few days. Act fast, act swift, act without any concern for yourself 
and the bank accounts of your supporters. I know you're waking up this morning to the new the public opinion polls. Your approval rating from the American public has shot up by 12 points over last week. It's the first time you've been over 50%, where the majority of Americans, 55%, say they approve of the job you're doing. That's according to an ABC News poll yesterday. 55% approval rating. Wow. So maybe that's maybe that has convinced you that what you're doing is right. The way you've handled this is correct. Just keep doing more of that. You keep this way, you keep it, keep it up one more day like this, two more days like this. I can write there, I can write your page in the history book right now, the way you'll be remembered. The killer. The hundreds of thousands or millions that didn't need to die. Because you were more concerned with how it looked and you were more concerned about the stock market than you were about the lives of the people of the country you were leading. It doesn't have to be this way for you. You can snap out of it right now. You can be the hero. Listen to me. Like I think you're going to listen to what I'm saying. Well, you know, the last time you tweeted at me last month, you, you did, you said in the tweet, uh, you know, one thing you, you can't one thing you have to admit about Michael Moore he's not stupid he's been right before you wrote that you've written that before too you've noticed and noted that um, sometimes through my films or the things I've said or done I have had to I've tried to warn people even when it's things they don't want to hear I don't what else am I going to do at this point Thank God I've got this podcast. Thank God I've got, oh my God, you know, we we were celebrating our 5 millionth download. When was that, like a week or so ago? We're already at, uh, we're at 6.5 million right now. It's exploded. You know, I'm sorry we haven't had on the 5 millionth person yet. We will do that. We just haven't had time with everything that's going on. But no, there's so many of you listening to this, so many of you responding I listen to all the voicemail messages that you leave on your on the podcast platform here. Thank you for that. Thank you for those to those of you who've written. Thanks to the doctors and the nurses and the other people who have confided information in me in the hopes that I can bring it out to a lar- larger, wider audience. I'm doing my part. I'm doing I'm doing my bit here. And um and I need all of you to do yours. What else can we do now? Um, that ambulance that pulled up to my apartment building here the other day. Um, I know I'm going to see that scene repeated again and again. And I'll see the fumigators come in and fumigate the next hallway, the lobby, the elevators. I asked my own doctor, my family doctor, a few weeks ago, should I, you know, I just, I'm in New York and I'm working on the podcast, but maybe I should go back home, be in Michigan, where I live. And, um, and then I asked, um, uh, the person who's in, been in charge of our security for so many years when we're making a movie. When we're releasing things, you know, it's just uh, the obvious, sadly, the obvious security I need to, uh, to have. And they both thought it would be best to probably be in Michigan. They saw and thought, they knew what was going to, that New York was going to be a hot zone. Um, and it was going to spread like wildfire because eight and a half million people are crammed in to a very, very small space. I didn't go. I didn't go to Michigan. I thought, no, this, I've got the whole podcast thing set up here. And this is, you know, um, this is the only way I'm going to be able to communicate to people the truths that I learned. You know, I had made the decision to put off making the next film because it, 
you know, movies take a year to make, and we didn't have a year. So here I am. Here I am in the middle of the night in what used to be the guest bedroom in my apartment. I got a crack in the window. It's kind of warm. It was kind of warm yesterday. So that's the wind you hear coming through. They say it's going to get colder today, tonight. It's not the only thing it's going to get, my friends. Don't give up. I'm not giving up. I'll be here. I'll work, I'll be working on the next podcast. I'm I'm doing um, I'm doing a couple of important interviews today um, with people that know what's going on. Um, we'll also talk about um, in the coming days what you can do just you know for just for your financial survival um, in terms of um, making sure our political leaders issue no eviction orders. Nobody can be evicted during this pandemic. Nobody. Uh, can lose their home either during it or after it. Nobody loses anything here on that end. People need money right now and they need more than what's being proposed. They need to be protected. All of us, all of you, especially anybody, if you're, like I said, if you're you're 24 years old and, and you're slated by the Republicans to get nothing, no. I'm going to try to catch a couple hours sleep. I really thank you for listening to this and being part of this. You have to be part of it. I, it's this, it's, uh, it's, yes, it's my podcast, but it isn't really, it isn't, it isn't. I, I've, every time we make a documentary, I always tell the crew on the first day that remember that, uh, there's a crew member that's missing today. We used to back in the old days, we used to throw a theater seat in the van with the equipment and everything, just to remind all of us that the missing crew member is you, the audience, the people that are going to see this movie. The movie's not really complete until the people see it and then react to it. Because if they don't see it, or if they see it but don't react to it, don't do something, then the point of making the film is useless. Why bother? So we need to try to make a really, really good movie will connect with people and inspire them to do something. That remains true with this podcast. The podcast isn't over until you, when done listening to the podcast, do something as a citizen of this great country. And if you're listening in whatever country you're in around the world, do something in your country because this is everywhere now. I know a lot of you listening to this don't have to worry about going to the doctor or the hospital and going broke as a result of it. God, what is that like? So to my fellow Americans who are listening to this, let's complete this episode of Rumble. Let's complete it by you doing something today, even if it's just online, even if it's just on the phone. Scream bloody murder. Be in the same kind of panic you'd be in if the house was burning down. One in two of us are going to get this. And 95% of us will live. But the upwards to 5% that won't is a staggering number. And every single one of us are going to lose people that we know right now who seem to be fine and alive and well. And then suddenly... They're gone. If we save one of them or 10 of them or a thousand of them today because we acted today and didn't wait till Monday, then maybe our conscience can be somewhat at ease. Yes and no. I'm grateful to all of you listening. Um, I wish I knew each and every one of you. Um, I feel like I've gotten to know some of you from those of you who've responded to this. Um, but um, just rest assured, if, if I go for another two days and you don't hear from me, I'm okay, really. I am I am so, I feel like I need, again, I got to lock on something quickly here because I don't see any wood around me, but, um, but things are good. 
things are good with me and um i pray that they will be good with you but i'm not a believer in just praying um we have to act all of us we have to finish this episode of the podcast this can't go on forever even though the ones and the zeros will allow me to talk for the next two hours uh i gotta get to bed so i have some energy here for the rest of today um so when i wake up in a couple hours let me have a sense that you've all done something thank you thank you and we'll uh talk again hopefully uh tomorrow uh here on rumble i'm michael moore and um I'm going to fight. Join me, please. Talk to you soon.